0: So I oftentimes say I am more than one moment. And for me, that means I am more than like success, right? Uh, Joy, and I am more than sadness or failure, whatever that might mean or look like in that moment.
1: Hi guys, welcome to Dancing in the Gray, a podcast and a platform that shines light on the importance of prioritizing our mental health. Regardless of whether or not you live with a mental health condition, we all have mental health. I am not a medical professional. I have a lived experience, and I believe in the power of storytelling because by sharing our personal stories and by shining our own light, we give permission for others to do the same, to feel seen, to feel heard, and in turn, feel liberated. I hope you will join me on this journey as we discuss these gray areas of our lives, which can often feel so lonely and isolating. I hope these conversations plant seeds of inspiration for you to feel your best. Because when we dance confidently in the gray, the colors of life show up so much brighter. Oh, well, Mon, it's so wonderful to have you on an episode of Dancing in the This is a long time coming because I, when we first started this, I was like, you need to be on here. And then scheduling issues happen because you are a busy man in high demand. Um, you're an internationally recognized and award-winning LGBTQ mental health advocate who serves on national committees, speaks at conferences and festivals, is the New York Times bestselling author for a book co-authored with Lady Gaga Channel Kindness. I'm such a huge fan of that, by the way. Um And you're just doing so, so much incredible work in the mental health space. So when I say it's an honor to have you on here, I truly, truly mean it.
0: Well, thank you for having me. And I obviously like you do great work over there at Westside LA and just on your own in this podcast. And I know that, you know, you really care about the mental health system and field. So I'm always happy to be able to speak to you.
1: Well, thank you so much. And I definitely feel the same with you. It's such an interesting space to be in because, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's becoming trendy now, or maybe, maybe it is. I'm not sure, but I'm appreciative that it's at least, you know, getting light that it deserves and getting a, a platform that it definitely deserves. But especially, you know, when I put you and I in the same category here, I don't know. I can't speak for you, but I definitely didn't seek out to become a mental health advocate. Like it wasn't part of my plan. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, um, do you think your lived experience with your own mental health journey shaped and informed you getting to this position now?
0: A thousand percent. I like I recall in in middle school and high school, I used to hate public speaking. Uh, That was not a thing that I enjoyed. And I I just didn't like it. And now, like I'm speaking at events and like just like you are and just sharing your lived experience in such an open way. It's stuff that I didn't share even with my parents when I was growing up. And so now to be able to do this work is kind of uh unique in a way, because I never expected to be a mental health advocate. I didn't even know what being a mental health advocate meant. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I, that resonates with me. What in your opinion is mental health? Like, how would you, it's such a complex answer, trust or complex, you know, idea, but how would you try to simply define mental health?
0: I would say mental health is everything. It's part of are all of our lives, and it's part of just being self aware of our emotions and being able to truly uh, bask in them and feel them, whether it's joy, sadness, excitement, whatever it might mean to you. And it's just really being self aware.
1: Mm, mm, I love that. I love that self, yeah. And I think the emotions part too. And I, this is where my, you know, yogi background really comes in, but it it's exactly what you said, where it's holding space for everything that you're feeling. And if you think about it, we're not taught to identify emotions or really know what we're living with. And then not only know what we're living with, but a know that it's temporary and passing, even the joy, even the, the goodness, the, those high vibe emotions and feelings. Um, but yeah, but just to let it sink in and to feel all of it.
0: Yeah. So I oftentimes say I am more than one moment. And for me, that means I am more than like success, right? Uh, joy. And I am more than sadness or failure, whatever that might mean or look like in that moment. Uh, because we are complex as humans and we have a range of all those emotions are valid.
1: Mm. Talk to me about, you know, you talked to me about this idea of mental health, but why do you think there is still such a stigma around it?
0: I think historically people have been taught to kind of repress a lot of their feelings and that uh, I know for my culture in particular, I come from Mexico. I was born in Mexico and uh, we're taught to not show emotions because it's a weakness, but I think in our current age now we're seeing more people speak up about it because we've identified that actually talking about your emotions is the true strength. It's being brave and putting yourself out there. It's not easy. And there's a lot of people who are struggling now and they don't know who to talk to maybe in their homes because of the stigma. And I think there is a lot to attribute around stigma to maybe media uh, Cultural barriers and a lack of accessibility for many of the resources within the mental health field.
1: Would you say those are the reasons why that stigma then still exists?
0: Yes, I would say that those are some contributing factors to the stigma still existing.
1: Do you think that, um, from the cultural perspective, that that is still relevant and maybe an extra layer? I'm not saying for your specific family. but I know certain cultures do have a harder time accepting this idea of mental health. And like, even though it is something that's being talked about now, do you think that's still like a major factor in why people hide or keep, like you said, suppress these feelings and emotions?
0: Yes, I do. I I think that for many cultures who still stigmatize these conversations and just even what depression means, anxiety, whatever it might be, uh, it's very real. And it prevents people, maybe the younger children or younger adults in the home to want to speak to their parents openly about their mental health. So they don't receive any preventative mental health resources or care. And later on in life, that is where the crisis comes and there's a larger development of their mental health uh, illness that can be really deteriorating to them.
1: So what would you say to somebody who is experiencing that right now, specifically with, you know, the cultural aspect involved, if someone is feeling trapped or feeling like they can't vocalize, that they're hurt and need help?
0: I would say this might sound cliche, but they're not alone. There's many people from their cultures who might be dealing with the same kind of feelings, with the same kind of struggle to speak openly about their mental health. And reaching out to peers is something that can truly save their life and that can benefit their mental well-being. I know that for me, peer support was really beneficial. Uh, You mentioned earlier layers to stigma, right? And as a member of both an immigrant family, and the LGBTQ plus community, there was a lot that I was battling with in terms of speaking to my parents, one, because I didn't want to be seen as weak, and two, because I wasn't open about my sexuality at the mm-hmm. time. So I felt more restricted and trapped to even speak to them because I wasn't ready to come out yet.
1: I'm going to ask a personal question, and you're, you don't have to answer it, but did you first speak did you find it or was it equally challenging was it more challenging to talk about your sexual identity or your mental health conditions they're both kind of one and the same
0: I think it was both kind of one and the same because a lot of my mental health struggles uh, were attributed to my sexuality because at a young age uh, in grade school I was being bullied because of my sexuality um, and it was before I was able to really label myself as such. So I felt like that was taken away from me and that people were just assuming and whether it was correct or not, it felt very intrusive and it just made me feel unwell. And knowing that I was restricted to coming out to my parents because, you know, uh, stigma as well for the LGBTQ plus community in different cultures, it didn't feel the greatest. So I was battling both being open about how I was feeling with suicidal thoughts and feelings at a young age and just my sexuality.
1: In regards to your mental health and having suicidal thoughts and feelings as a young person, you know, that's something I live with anxiety and depression. And even in the depths of my depression, when it was really, really bad, something I've been very open about is that I never had suicidal thoughts. So that was something that just didn't enter my sphere. But despite how bad things got, I was just, I had a knowing that I would get through and, you know, I was here for a greater purpose, but I can't imagine having those. And I can't imagine having those, especially as a young person, as you're developing, Um, was that something that popped up frequently or how did you, what was your answer to finally help, help with that and help cope and manage that?
0: Yeah. I mean, those feelings were really there for me. Uh, All of middle school, I felt really constrained to just my depression and anxiety. And I felt like I was losing my battle with it. And what helped me was getting involved in the work. At the age of 13, I started volunteering in nonprofits in my community. And that kind of gave me a new sense of life, a new passion. And it is what I think saved my life. And I've continued to work ever since that age. And it's something that I'm truly passionate about.
1: It's so, this is to circle back around what I meant at the top, and I'm sure that was translated, but- but it's not like you expect to get into mental health advocacy as like a plan. I'm sure some people do, but I think that's why people like you and me, when we meet each other and we're like, oh, kindred spirits, family, I get it because I was in the same position. It's like, you come from this place of service and you just want to get involved and you just want to share your lessons or share the things that you've learned and pay it forward so somebody else doesn't have to go through what you did. Um And then it really defines this sense of purpose and this sense of, you know, how you can make a difference. And like in that process, it's self-discovery and you find yourself.
0: A hundred percent. And I think what made me want to get involved to start was just wanting to understand the mental health system. What can I do to make sure that other young LGBTQ Plus, folks, other uh, BIPOC folks don't feel this way, and it was truly kind of eye-opening to get involved and see how this mental health system works and how we can shape it and move it forward.
1: So, between that time of you being 13 and now you're you're 24, four, 24. So, about in the last like 10 plus years, you've done a lot. <laughs> Like, it's really quite impressive. (laughs) It's really quite impressive. And I listed some of your, you know, accolades at the top, but talk to me about how you got involved with Lady Gaga's Channel Kindness and the book.
0: Yeah. So I started my journey with Born This Way Foundation, a Channel Kindness platform in 2017. I was one of my reporters for their online platform, which is focused on writing kind stories, uh, and putting them out into the world. You know, we're oftentimes now just seeing a lot of negative news, uh, constantly that we forget that there are kind acts that are happening. And so being involved in that platform was really a great experience because I was able to meet other like-minded individuals who were trying to work and push forward efforts that I believed in myself, um, I wrote a story about my journey in drafting a historic LGBTQ proclamation for my hometown in Woodland, California. Um, that passed unanimously for the first time in the town's history that proclaimed June as LGBTQ pride month in the town. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. But the story I wrote about that journey and that experience uh, was published in the book Channel Kindness, which was released last year by Lady Gaga and Boysway Foundation.
1: That's so cool.
0: Thank you. That's
1: so cool. And UNICEF was on your list last year, too, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, uh, there's been it's been a, it's been a wild <laughs> you wild.
1: over here like humble brag. Talk about that for a second, Juan.
0: Yeah, so uh, well, this year it was I think it was February of this year, I spoke for the United Nations about social and digital innovations. Um, And it was, that was a great moment for me. As I said, I think it's been a full circle moment like all along because I came to this country at age two. And like you, I didn't think of being a mental health advocate. So to now be uh, a co-author in this book with Lady Gaga and to be speaking for the United Nations is kind of like, you know, You you just can't believe stuff like that happens sometimes. And it's all about really honing in on your passion and owning your light. And I think that's something that has really brought me to the place I am today.
1: How would you define passion?
0: Passion is, for me, something that even in the darkest moment, I am able to visualize and try and pick myself up to push forward for that cause that I believe in. That is what I define as passion.
1: And why do you think it's so important for people to find?
0: I think it's important for people to find, because for me, it's my driving force every day I wake up and I am grateful for something and it always goes back to my passion. And my passion is to try and do what I can to be a better person every day and to try and make this world a better place by trying to get folks the resources that they need and to try and share my story so that other young people who might be struggling are able to do the same and they're able to feel seen and heard. And I think just when you find your passion, you're able to find yourself.
1: Do you think... Because, you know, the mental health crisis, if you want to call it, is so huge just in our country alone, like not even talking about it around the world. Do you really think it comes down to the lack of resources?
0: I think accessibility it
1: comes down to it. Aside from the stigma, I know we touched on stigma, but now it's kind of like now, now what?
0: Yeah, I think the lack of resources and accessibility are a big part. And representation, I think uh, we oftentimes think of the mental health system as a one-size-fits-all. And I think that's something that needs to change because everybody needs something different. Um, And I think we need to involve more people when the resources are being created to come to the table to give their input as to kind of what they would uh, think might be really helpful for them. When we invite young people, when we invite underserved communities, when we put each other in a room together to speak about these ideas of these resources, then we're making sure that we're creating intentional resources and not just handing resources to people. Yes. I also think...
1: Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Yeah, I was just going to say, I also think education uh, is important. I think especially for older generations who might now want to understand what mental health uh, is, I think there's an education component that is really crucial. Even for young people, if we start educating people about warning signs, about stuff to look for, about how to speak about their mental health at a young age or at any age at all, then we're able to destigmatize those conversations and make sure that people are asking for the support that they need.
1: Something I always talk about is destigmatizing conversation, which it sounds so elementary. And sometimes I even catch myself at my internal dialogue being like, is this really something that people need to hear and talk about? You know, I question myself because it's on repeat. It's in my dialogue with my friends, you, coworkers, you, you know, people in my space and sphere that it's become now so normal. But I forget that it's so not normal.
0: Mm-hmm. for others
1: and I I agree with you because it's like planting these seeds that you know you start doing and making different choices now it really can help you from digging yourself in a hole or getting into a space where all excuse me where all hell can break loose essentially uh um, exactly so Maybe. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And then also having, you know, divert a diverse group of people sitting at the table. I really like that you said that because it's cool if you have people in positions of power or leadership that are trying to push the needle forward. But in reality, it needs to be inclusive to everybody and every space and every sphere, because this true idea of kinship, it's not I look at it different from service. I love this idea of service, but it's not so much doing something for another, but really seeing like a oneness amongst everyone and allowing all voices to be heard equitably. So you can make decisions to move forward in a positive way.
0: A hundred percent. And I think, as you said, like, For many of us who are involved in the mental health field in this way and that we're doing this work day in, day out, we become so, you know,
1: almost desensitized or aware or something.
0: Yeah, like definitions like depression. It's like, oh, everybody knows what that is. But in reality, it's like, if I look back in my life at the age of 13, I didn't know what the hell depression meant. I didn't know what it looked like, what it felt like. I just didn't feel good. And I'm sure that was the case for you, maybe, where you didn't know what these terms meant. And you knew that you were just experiencing something and that something was
1: Oh, a million percent for me, it happened in my early twenties and it looked like laziness. And so I just attributed it to, you know, I'm in college and like, I'm having a hard time transitioning, but in reality, something a lot bigger was going on and I didn't give it enough credit and it was actually a real thing. And like, there was a genuine reason why I wasn't showing up for class or like if I had a job, I wasn't showing up for a job and it wasn't because, or I had mail and I couldn't open it, you know, or I had laundry and I couldn't get it done. I just stare at it, you know, these things that someone could easily point at me and be like, oh, she's just a lazy college student. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm actually feeling like I'm going to implode on the inside and I'm paralyzed with. Fear or paralyzed with anxiety, and it's preventing me from moving forward or taking any type of agency or action.
0: A hundred percent, and thank you for sharing that. I, that's like kind of how my experience went too. I was just feeling really sick. Uh, I my stomach hurt every single day. As I showed up to class, and I just started getting like the the physical symptoms, and I thought I was sick, but actually, like, but not mentally. Uh, I didn't attribute it to my mental health. And that's when I found out that these things happen and that you need to pay attention to them early. Right, on. And
1: you can actually make your physical body not well. Mm-hmm. And then even in the healing process, it's so interesting. You would probably like this. So I'll share this. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried acupuncture before, but it's been such a wonderful, wonderful tool and my toolkit for my mental health health and my physical body health and just bringing a lot of balance to my life. And I know it's not for everybody and, you know, recovery is not linear as we previously discussed, but when I first met my acupuncturist about a year and a half ago, he was feeling my arm and this is before, cause they actually, I don't know if you know this, but um, a lot of holistic practice practitioners will ask about your, emotional health as well. Not just, do you have diabetes in your family and whatnot? Um, But before I even got to that, he was feeling my arm and he just looked at me and he's like, do you have anxiety or do you live with anxiety? And I looked at him and I was like, yes. And he goes, no, no, no. He closed his eyes. And he was like, I'm talking about like debilitating anxiety. And I go, well, I have in the past, but for the last eight months, like I've never felt better. Like I have finally shifted a corner and I feel like I'm really in this process of healing now. And he made a comment to me. He was like, sweetie, just because your mind has caught up and healed, like the physical body sometimes holds on and stores things and Takes longer to catch up with it, and I just thought that was so interesting. And I share this because it all comes back to the brain health and brain, you know, health, well-being, whatever you want to call it, um, and just healing from that took a toll on my physical body as well.
0: Hundred percent, and I feel I feel that you know, as you said, recovery isn't linear. Because for me, I can tell you, last year, I had all these great things happening, but I was really depressed, and I've turned a corner since. But it's it just really goes to show that this isn't something that you can just you know take a magic pill and then have it be gone. It's something that you have to learn what works for you, whether it's holistic practices, whether it's medicine, whether it's uh, other self care exercise peer support, whatever it might look like for you, but it's about addressing it and making sure that you're taking control of it and not letting it take control of you.
1: Talk to me about peer support, because I don't know if you know this, but, you know, I teach classes with NAMI from a peer perspective, and I'm also um, a peer group facilitator. And I think peer support is just now getting more to the surf or like, again, gaining more light and attention, like mental health in general. But why do you think that's an important piece of the puzzle? In addition to all of the other pieces that you just mentioned, because I think it's really powerful.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's really powerful. And I think you build a connection because you're able to speak to other people who might be from your community who might be from your same group your age group whatever it might be and you're able to foster a conversation where there is no hierarchy and you're just talking at one another and learning from one another's experiences because maybe the person you're speaking with already experienced something that you're currently going through and you want to hear their perspective not so that it could inform your decisions but to just know that somebody went through it they're doing okay I know I can get uh, through this and this is going to be a motivation for it. And I think what really, really I've appreciated about peer support is just a representation aspect. For me, it was like LGBTQ plus peer support groups was somewhere I could go and speak with other LGBTQ plus folks about what I was feeling in that moment. And it's not something that I could have found anywhere else.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 to all of that. In terms of recovery or in terms of self-care practices, what are some of the things that you do for yourself to maintain well-being in, with your mental health?
0: What I do for self-care, I've been waking up every morning at 5 a.m. to go to the gym. I think that's 5 a.m. Really Club. Yes, you already know it. And then coffee <laughs> right after that. You know, you know, that's the drill, but the exercising has been really beneficial for my mental health. It helps me get kind of a lot of my energy out and helps me just start my day with a clear, clear mindset. I listen to music and that's really good for my mental health. I talk to my friends. We have open communication and I try to be really self-aware of my boundaries, of my triggers and just try and to respect that. I think oftentimes we talk about boundaries, but Sometimes we feel bad for asserting our boundaries in many in many ways, maybe with our own family. And so for me, it's been important to stick to my boundaries, to stick to my, to my identity and to be authentic in that way.
1: One of our episodes, we talked about the power of the know. Mm-hmm. tying back to boundaries. It's a real thing. It's an important... And it,
0: it's necessary sometimes.
1: Yes, 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 yes. For self-care. Yeah,
0: so what... I think at the end of the day, you have to put yourself uh, first in your mental health, well, you
1: do, because then it allows you to show up for your people in your space, your workspace, your friend space, relationship space, family space. What is on the horizon for Juan?
0: <sighs> that's a, that's a big question on the horizon. Well, I was just a part of a documentary, uh, special with Lady Gaga called the power of kindness. It was released last week. Um, and I encourage folks to check it out. That, it was great to be a part of that. But next, next, I will continue doing events. I will continue to speak. I will continue to get involved uh, with numerous organizations. And I also plan to launch my own movement next year. So I'm excited for that. Um, can you talk so there's to a, a lot. movement? Um, I can tell you the name. And it's going to be called Own Your Light. And it's just something I genuinely have been working. It's something that I woke up in the middle of the night and I brought out my iPhone and put it in my notes on your light, And I kind of just drafted kind of what that meant to me and why I thought it was necessary. I've always wanted to wait to launch anything because I wanted to make sure that I knew my why, why I was doing it and why is it necessary in this moment. And I think it's time and I know my why.
1: Ah. I'm just going to end it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so where can we find the documentary that came out last week? And where can we find you?
0: Yeah, the documentary you can find on Lady Gaga's Facebook and Instagram and BornThisWayFoundation.org. You can find me uh, at JuanaCostaOfficial.com or my Instagram, Twitter. It's Juanacosta with two underscores at the end.
1: And I can't let you leave here without asking you one very important question, which is a surprise. At least you weren't, you know, given a heads up on this topic. But um, what is your coffee order?
0: Boom. this is my coffee order. Every day it's a cold brew with an added shot of espresso, just black. Oh,
1: you're really, you know, taking get your coffee, get your day to a <laughs> whole other level.
0: Hey, I worked as a barista throughout my undergrad. So I got really familiar with coffee and I decided that you know I need my strong cold brew in the morning.
1: Ah, oh, so good with the extra shot of espresso. Look at you go. <laughs> well Juan, thank, thank you, you so much for taking the time. You are just you're a gem and you're so incredible. And I support you in all of your endeavors. And just know you have a cheerleader in Santa Monica cheering. Same you here high.
0: wherever I am you know, you've got me and I appreciate yes. you and I'm so proud of you. And thank you for doing this podcast, for doing what you do for the mental health field with West LA, everybody else. I know that you do a lot and I truly see it and I appreciate you and you bring a lot of energy and light. And every time I hear you say, get your coffee, get your day, it's my sign to go get more coffee. So I, I will be getting love more. I love it.
1: I will <laughs> one, get your coffee.
0: Thank you. I will go get my coffee, get my day.
1: (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Juan.
0: Take care. Thank you.
1: Hi, friends. Thank you for tuning in. If you liked what you heard today, I ask that you pass this message and episode along to one other person. Leave a review and rate us if you feel inspired to do so. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dancing in the Gray. Don't forget, when we dance confidently in the gray, the colors of life show up so much brighter.